Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! Welcome to episode 136 of the Average Cheese Podcast. It's the original two. Todd and I are here to discuss the mess that was the Packer game yesterday. Thanks to Rhonda and the folks at RNA Management. Thanks to Dwight at ddgcustoms.com. And thanks to Dan and the folks at Bob Anderson Builders. It is episode 136. Usually Peter would do this, but Todd and I will bungle our way through it. At least it's an easy one. It's not like Michael Haddix or Chris Banjo or Chris Gizzy or some shit. It's Leroy Butler. Yeah, lucky for us. Yes, lucky for us. So the inventor of the Lambo Leap just made the the NFL Hall of Fame way too late, was already a Packer Hall of Famer, now an NFL, well, it's not NFL, they call it the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It's not the NFL Hall of Fame. True. What if you were good in USFL? Are you in there? It's a good question. Or the XFL. That is pro football. I don't think there's any XFLers in there, but there could could be like a mention of Herschel Walker or something. I don't know. Yeah, Reggie White or Jim Kelly. Remember all those dudes that played? Who knows? Well, it's back now, so they probably got to get a little bit more time under their belt before they start an inauguration process. So Leroy Butler was drafted in the second round of the 1990 draft by the Green Bay Packers. He was 48th overall out of Florida State. Played for those Bobby Bowden, really good Florida State teams in the late 80s. He was a really good player coming out. Didn't he, and I'm not looking this up, so I'm going to fuck this all up. Wasn't he in a wheelchair or something as a kid? Or he had like braces on his legs or something? Mm. I think I remember that story from when he played. Something like that. Four-time Pro Bowler, played for the Packers in their Super Bowl. He had a sack in that Super Bowl. Do you remember the Lambo Leap specifically, like that play? Oh, of course. So I trying to remember how Reggie White got the ball. Was it from a sack and a recovery? It was a fumble of some kind. That I remember. Oh, Reggie White had the ball in his hands and was running down the left side of the field, about to go out of bounds. Like he literally has back to the sideline. And he like shuffled it back and Leroy Butler was coming up um, and they must have just made that connection and he pitched it to him perfectly and he ran it in for the touchdown. That was the first Lambo League. Now copied by scrubs of all teams everywhere. Yeah. You always look back on those. It's like, it doesn't seem that long ago, but then when you see him do the leap and you see those old fucking pads that are like (laughs) in wrestling rooms and shit. Right. Just kind of like barely hanging on to the... Side of Lambo, you're like, what the hell? That was they kinda... upgraded a little bit at Lambo. Ghetto back then. Did yeah. you know that Edgar Bennett and Leroy Butler played at the same high school? That I did not know. Basic same time. I mean, it's the same general time. Could you imagine having two guys, pro football players, 
One's in the Hall of Fame on your on the same team. That'd be bananas. The other thing with Butler, I've always felt like when when you were watching game that he was back there, you always knew like if there was a deep ball or like a, a big play need, like he was there. He was that solid of a player. Great player. Yeah. Unbelievable. And he's he's a big community guy still to this day, right? Yeah, so. he still does a radio show too, or it did uh, up until recently here in Milwaukee. He was on uh, 1250 or whatever it was, AM. So he's, yeah, he's still around. He yeah. actually, I just got an email at school that he may come to our school and do an anti-bullying thing oh. at our school. So I am hoping that happens. You know I'll be wearing my average t-shirt that day. Just put a 36 on it, on the back. Right. You're like, oh. Butler, 36. Yeah. And yeah. If he oh, comes, I'm handing him an average T-shirt. You should. I am. That's happening. We, we should do Butler 36 on the back, maybe. I will make. I can make that happen, too. I'll get Dwight out to throw yeah. on the back of that joker. You need to do that. That's happening. Okay. Anything else you want to say about Leroy Butler before we move on to the episode? No, let's go. All right. So let's start with this. This just happened. You sent me this probably a half hour, hour before we went on. The Packers have re-signed Justin Hollins and released Patrick Taylor. Probably a one-for-one one move. Needed a guy, picked, and they dropped Patrick Taylor. Do you think it's, we want to get rid of Patrick Taylor, and we're just going to pick Justin Hollins, or we want to pick up Justin Hollins? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, I, geez, I don't know. When I read it, I was like, oh, they got Justin Hollins. Now, didn't he, he played last year, right? He played this year. He was on the roster up until like, I don't know, three weeks ago. God, that's odd. They just caught him. Yeah. And maybe with the, the well, obviously they had to backfill a little bit with the Quay Walker injury, which is unknown at this point, but they're going to have to have somebody after the performance of Wilson and, and McDuffie, who they had to react somehow. Right. Can Justin Hollins play inside? That was my question. You know, when I saw that or when you sent it to me, because he played outside linebacker for he the did. Pack. You're right. Yeah, he did. So why would they? I don't know. I didn't think of it that way, but you're right. He Maybe he could play inside. I, that was just my gut reaction is, is if they were. I was surprised to see them sit Patrick Taylor down or release him. He hasn't and done he, shit. No, he hasn't. Taylor has gotten some opportunities and done absolutely nothing. In but, his defense, there's not much to run around like there's not much opportunity with that offensive line now what are we down to and if they add hollands which they did the injury of quay walker triggered that in some way maybe it didn't but i don't know what other reason they would do do something like that my assumption is that he can play some inside linebacker he's familiar with the scheme you know even though he was playing outside he's familiar with the defense he's a guy you should be able to bring in he cannot be worse than wilson slash mcduffie because they are really bad I do like Wilson's tenacity, but he's just a guy. Like, he's not fast. He's not strong. He's going to thump you. He's going to hit you as hard as he can. I do like that about him. He can be picked on. They did. Yeah. They did. Yeah, so Walker and Savage went out of this game early-ish. I saw today that LaFleur said he hopes that they'll be back for Denver. Now, that's down the road. It's like two weeks from now, essentially. Jesus. The yeah, they, they're going to a bye week right now. Right? I guess Walker was a knee and Savage was a calf. Yeah. I don't know how many snaps either of them got. I didn't, I didn't look at that or pay attention to it, but. They were quickly in street clothes. Yes. Which I was like, whoa. Ugly, ugly. And I don't know if Savage hurt himself on this play, but did you see him try to go after the ball? 
He was like breaking on the football to make a pick. Only fucking Darnell Savage <laughs> completely whiff. Aikman was like, I thought he was going to pick six that ball. Oh, I know what you're talking about now. And yeah. Savage didn't yeah, even yeah, yeah. touch the ball. I know. A normal player would have probably have picked that off and ran it back for a touchdown. Walker played 17 snaps. I'm looking it up. Walker played 17 snaps, which was 27%, which means he went out real damn early because you know he's in on every play. And Savage played 36 snaps, which is just over half. Who's next? Denver? Denver is next, yeah. Do you want to talk about the rest of the NFC North before we get on to this mess? Well, the next thing is that uh, the Bears finally win a game after almost an entire calendar year. Fuck the Bears. Yes, agreed. They played well, though, and Justin Fields, that's his second pretty nice game in a row. I have DJ Moore on my fantasy team. <laughs> he killed. He had 52 points. Damn. Yeah. He had. Good Lord. Fields had 282-ish, something like that, yards passing. DJ Moore had 80% of those <laughs> receiving Holy yards. Holy fuck. Yeah. I do love all the Bears fans thinking, oh, Justin Fields is back. He completed two balls to more that could have been picked off. Please let him continue to throw those 50-50 balls because they're going the other way at some point. The commanders didn't have any um, solution for him running out of the pocket whatsoever. No. And even when they did, he, he still beat them. I mean, he's just too crafty with his legs. He's too too fast to the outside. He, he yeah, he, he made things happen when he needed to. Are you going to ride Justin Fields throughout the entire season like that? No. Will you beat a team like the Commanders doing that? Yes. Right. So Vikings lose again, but this time to the World Champs, to the Chiefs. You put in the notes. I saw this too. Justin Jefferson went on IR with a hamstring, but they're not good. I mean, they're not terrible. And shoot, the Packers are meeting anyway. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, like, yeah, we'll save that for uh, when we when we play the Vikings. On that note, when will the Lions lock up the division? Oh, will they do it before question. Thanksgiving? Before Thanksgiving? Yeah, probably not. Probably not. This is a bad division. The Lions are going to play with it. I mean, we talked about this when we talked about when they, when we played them, but are they a good team? Yeah, they are. And they're doing what they need to do to win games, but are they in that upper tier, you know, like the Niners and Chiefs and Eagles and stuff like that? Are they in the same conversation right now? I'd say they're on the outside looking in still, but they're kind of like right there. And in this division, you don't need to be. Like no. You can just be how you are right now and probably win this fucking division. Easily. They're going to easily win yeah. and they're not elite. All right, so let's get on to this mess. Raiders 17, Packers 13, primetime game, Monday night. Felt like a game that we would easily win. Yeah. Easily win. Plenty Even of without Aaron Jones. Although I did switch my pick in the Pick'em contest. And Jack, I am kicking your ass. I still love you. I can't wait for that steak dinner. So Ooh. anyway, I changed my Packers are going to win when Aaron Jones was said to be out of this game it yeah. made me feel a lot less confident and unfortunately i was right yeah for me this game was kind of it's another game probably the second of which in the early you know only we've only played five games but it's the second time that we had plenty of opportunities to beat let's be honest the raiders aren't a good football team no you had your opportunities are the packers a better team than the raiders yeah they should be by a, by a large margin was it a game that 
they probably should have won? Yeah. Did they have plenty of opportunities? Yep. And they just couldn't do it. I mean, when you lose to Atlanta and the Raiders, come on. You're not a good football team. It's that simple. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can be put into that category for sure. So I know we're going to get on to the good, the bad, and the ugly, and maybe we'll we'll run through some of these things. But when you look at the Packers roster, and I know I've said this a couple of times now, the Packers are devoid of talent at a lot of positions, and that's why they're not good. Yes, they have a bunch of first-rounders on defense, but at some positions, linebacker, safety, we've talked about it, offensive line. I mean, really running back after Aaron Jones, we found that, we don't have anybody that's really that good, right? A.J. Dillon, they cut Patrick Taylor today. They kept Emmanuel Wilson, but they're not playing him, so clearly he's no fucking good. Jordan Love gets hurt. We're at Sean Clifford, who was like a six-round pick, as a, and he's a rookie. Like, you start looking at the team, and there's a lot of places where there's just there, there's no talent there. The other takeaway from this game, once the game was kind of like complete, I was like, you know, thinking, and I know it's only we're only five weeks into the season, but... I was like, I think this is kind of, you know, the first couple of games, it was like, oh, we beat the Bears, you know, great. We're kind of like, but it's the Bears, right? And then Terrible. to Atlanta and then like, you know, we got our asses kicked by the Lions. And so it's, it's kind of been up and down. But I was kind of like, after this game, I was kind of like, I think this is kind of who we are. This is how it's going to go. Yep. Unfortunately, like this is kind of how it's going to go. It, You know, you could add Aaron Jones to the equation all you want, but like other guys are going to get hurt on either side of the ball. But I think this is who we are right now. I think this is, it was kind of humbling, I guess, to kind of come to that realization. So the good, the bad, and the ugly, offensively, there was a series or two, and I put this on Twitter. I'm like, if it works, keep doing it. There was that one series where A.J. Dillon was running the football and the Packers figured out what they were going to do for like one drive and he just bludgeoned the Raiders to death went down and scored. So Dylan was pretty good, not for the whole and, game. Well, and give credit to the offensive line, right? Yeah. So they were, you could see a little bit more of a urgency or something. They found something, right? And as long as you were, Dylan was pounding out three or four yards per carry, LaFleur was like, go ahead and do it again, like over and over and over. So he did get on track, but like when you texted me, he was like, guarantee he's going to run into more line, like, he owes the entire lineman like masseuse credits or Put something. Him in the back with his elbows. He does that so much. I think he does it in an attempt to kind of ride the wave with the lineman being the wave, like hiding behind him. But like he usually just hits him and bounces off, mm-hmm. and then he gets tackled again. So our linemen suck, so they're not pushing anybody backwards. No, they aren't. So they they, they definitely aren't. It's kind of like he just like runs full speed and. It's a fucking boonk, bounces off of him. He did have 20 carries for 76 yards and a touchdown. And if you could say, hey, because you hope you're going to get rushing yards out of someone else too during yeah. the game, that's a nice game for him. How many yards was it? 76. Yeah, that doesn't like jump off the page as far as like 20 carries and 76 yards. But it is, I would have to say that those 76 yards were, they were well-earned and they were like, this game could have really gotten away if if those yards weren't earned like he he kept a lot of drives going at critical moments when when they needed to have two or three yards he got it I was, I was more surprised about like jones not being in the game i mean i guess i wasn't paying attention to twitter and everything else other than the fact that i was like what the fuck 
Because I think th- this is the type of game against the Raiders that Jones would have flourished in. All we would have needed out of Jones is a little bit of consistency, add a maybe into the passing game, and one or two of those like Jones breakaway big plays. That would have took the scales the other way. I don't know what else we can talk about that's good. I mean, Watson had a really long catch on a broken play. You and I could have caught that ball. He didn't do shit in this game other than that play. He had three catches for 90-something yards, but he had 77 of them on that one play. And if he doesn't get caught, the Packers might have won that game. That guy horse-collared him down. Right. Yeah, let's talk about that because we have that down a little bit further down in, in, in the notes. But we should talk about that as an intentional foul. Yeah, and then Christian Watson. I mean, sh- should he have made a little bit more effort for that ball in the end zone? I mean, that was it was it. it was way short, right? The ball was way short. But as a receiver, you see something like that. You got us. Then you're a defensive back, Watson. At that point, you get that like you disrupt that. However, the fuck you need to. I felt like his effort was kind of like I think he was hoping he was going to draw some type of interference call. Because he threw his arms up, and I'm like, what are you throwing your arms up over, dude? Like, there was nothing there. If the Packers were to get called for pass interference like that, we'd be losing our shit of on course. a play like that. It was a good no call. I mean, it was good coverage. The ball was underthrown, and the DB picked it off. I mean. He could have made a better effort. And you're six foot four, and that dude was like 5'11". You got to get big on that dude. Swipe his hands away, get up in the air and high point that ball. You're going to catch it. He's not catching that ball. And he caught it like between his head and his fucking shoulder pad. He barely caught that ball to begin with. My problem on that play is, one, Christian Watson didn't know where he was. Like he's got his hand in the air. Like That's true. That's true. He didn't. But you only got like 10 yards to go. Like you're not blowing by that dude. You're going to run into the fucking stands. That ball shouldn't have been thrown. One, two, exactly. Or effort on it. And I think too, like he, I think he gambled. I guess I'm going to try to make it look like or make the referees throw throw a penalty here. It's like, dude, that ball's way under. He didn't interfere with you. He didn't fucking touch you. None of that. And you're just going to try to throw your arms up like you got interfered with. You didn't. I need to do whatever it is that I need to do to make sure that fucker doesn't catch the ball. That's it. Romeo you know. Dobbs played 97% of the passing situations in this game. He caught one ball for four yards and he dropped a pretty oh yeah important okay. ball. Him and Musgrave back-to-back dropped really nice throws from Love in a critical spot. Yeah, those were tough to watch. And Romeo Dobbs should be... He's your number two receiver. I don't know how many targets he had. Three. Eesh, that's just clearly not enough. Of, you got to get that guy involved. Sorry, he had four targets. Four targets, one catch, and four yards. Yeah. That's that's not doing it. No. It's not getting it done. So. Well, when you look at this, so Love was 16 of 30, 182 yards, zero touchdowns, three interceptions, two was sacked twice. Watson had three catches for 91. Romeo Dobbs had one for four. Jaden Reed had one for seven. Dontavian Wicks had one for ten. That's the receiver core. Unbalanced. Against a bad team. I don't want to keep... Real, like an incredibly bad team. What do you think about... Well, maybe we'll get this... In, well, it is the ugly. Let's just talk about the ugly. Let's go. I'm always three. up for the ugly. Love and his issues. The three picks. The first one was just an incredibly bad decision. Yeah. 
that ball should have never been thrown where there was like the, it was like a tip. The second one was he tried to force the ball in the wall. That was a, a force and he should have never thrown that either. No. Watson Ooh. was covered. But again, it kind of goes back to what I've been saying is like when you start putting more and more and more on his shoulders, his decision-making is going to be, well, I have to make something happen. I can get it in there when you actually can't. And then we turn the ball over. All three of the interceptions. And then there was the interception in, in the end zone. And he shouldn't have thrown that ball either. Like, I think it was, what was it, third and, I want to say 19? Third and a very long. Let's run a play to get the first down. We don't need, like, if, if you don't make that catch in the end zone or you don't get a pass interference, you're turning the fucking ball over. It's fourth like, and 19 then. Yeah. Right. So... I don't agree with, and I don't know if that was the play call. I, I think Watson wasn't the primary in that, and maybe he was. And if he, and if he was, that was the wrong play call. I like trying to get the first down and maintaining ball possession. At least try to get half of it, right? Or try to get a yeah. seven, nine, ten yard. And maybe you have a fourth and short. Or fourth and manageable, because if you throw right. that ball long, like you said, and it's fourth and 19 because it's incomplete, it's still fourth and 19. There's no plays yeah. Playbook for fourth and 19. Talk a little bit about the play calling before we move on to the rest of this ugly. Peter sent me a message. We were talking back and forth too, like you and I do. There was one play call. I think it was, let's say it was third and nine. It could have been third and 10. It was third and a very long yardage. And they throw a five yard out to Musgrave. Oh yeah. You cannot expect your 6'6", 270 pound tight end to make a move on a small defensive back on an out route or an in, do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. he is moving parallel to the line of scrimmage, catching that ball. He then has to turn and he can't run him over is what I'm trying to say. You're not running over that little DB on an out or an in, you know, if he's running up the scene, that's a different story. That was a fucking terrible play call. Yeah. And then they ran and ran and ran and they scored. And then they go down there again and they run. It's like, how about you? It's not working. You're running. Right. Jay Dillon is running into the line. How about you fake a handoff and get Jordan Love in space? He's athletic enough to run it if he can. He can still throw on the move. The play calling wasn't good last night. I would 1,000% agree. And I think Musgrave is going through some growing pains. Big growing pains. I, I think it's not the athletic ability. I think it's more of you know, the aptitude, he's struggling. Because you could see, like, I haven't seen Matt LaFleur jump in a, in, into a player coming off the field before, but he jumped in his fucking ass. It was probably a multitude of things. Blocking, not being where you're supposed to be, running the wrong route, or shortening a route to where the pass is going to be expected somewhere else. I think it's a, a bunch of stuff with him. Unfortunately, he's our number one tight end. There's no veteran to like put him under his wing or like we can depend on him and then just kind of like mold Musgrave into this all pro, but there isn't. He He's just there. It seems like it's an aptitude thing to me. He has completely whiffed on some blocks, like oh, had yeah. no clue what the technique was supposed to be. Ben Sims, is that his name too? Yes. 89? Yes. All those fuckers are terrible at blocking. We have no blocking tight end. And I hate to keep going back down this road, and I know that Mercedes Lewis has not done shit for the Bears either. They should have paid that guy to be on the roster. If nothing else, to show these guys how to play the tight end position. 
I don't care if Mercedes Lewis plays a down for the Packers. They should have put him on the roster. These guys don't know how to play, and they're making mistakes left and right out there. It's, it's embarrassing. Not to go back, but the horse collar on Watson. So I just started thinking that was actually a brilliant play by the defender. Now, if you're looking through the that situation through the you know the lens of the NFL, it's like it's kind of like in basketball the the intentional foul because of what are you jeopardizing someone's safety in doing so? Yep. And if and if you do, like Christian Watson is going to score on that on that play if he doesn't horse collar him, he scores on that play. We tie that game or win that game. That's the difference because yep. we kicked the field goal after that play. In basketball, they do like kind of like the breakaway where you can intentionally foul someone and it's accepted. And then like I think they get three shots or something like that. I don't remember what it is. But like I guess my point is in bringing that up is while, yes, I, I think it was a brilliant play by the defense. Are we heading towards that way with the NFL? Are we going to have like intentional penalties to kind of stop clock and like game management? That play in particular was without it really tipped the scale of, of the entire game whether or not you win or lose. I was reading somewhere that they could have called that a touchdown. I don't remember what it's called, and I'd have to look it up. But I read it somewhere that, and it never happened. It would be like if someone came off the sidelines and tackled the dude to stop them from, you know what I mean? It has to be like this weird, egregious thing where they could call it a touchdown anyway. Yeah. They could have done that. Now they would never. And same thing in soccer. They, they, if there's a breakaway guy, with the soccer ball, they're they're gonna chase them down and like annihilate them, and those take their their chances on a on a free kick right. or whatever, right? So I haven't seen a play like that where in the NFL that I can recall where there was like a intent to foul in order to prevent an outcome, but that definitely was, and it was literally a game changer in this. And there's no, it's just called what it is: horse collar you know, half the distance to the goal, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's it. In performing that act, it prevented four points. The last thing is, and I will keep saying this, Yash Nyman needs to go clean up the shit pile on Curly Lambo's statue because why <laughs> the fuck is he not playing in the football game on the offensive side of the ball when Rasheed Walker is, is as bad as he has been? It makes no sense to me. There have been plays where if you watch Rasheed Walker, he has his hands by his side. He isn't even attempting to block someone on a play. Yash Nyman can't be worse than that. I was like, well, there he is. Why isn't he? On the offensive side of the ball, why is he out there blocking kicks, which thankful for again because it kept the Packers in the game. But Good. That was unbelievable. The game before, if it wasn't a glaring indication that Rashid Walker is not ready. I mean, you come on, let's talk something good. Let's go on to the day. And I don't want to do this Packer fans, but I'm get. it's a little tired. Do we all want Joe Barry fired? We do. He's not a good coordinator. That whole Preston Smith on Devante Adams thing is really going to rear its ugly head over and over again on social media, but the Packers defense minus Campbell minus Walker Minus Savage held the Raiders, a professional football team, to 17 points. They held the leading rusher from last year, Josh Jacobs, 20 carries for 69 yards. And one of those went for 24. 
So he was 19 carries for 45 yards if you take that 24-yard out. I know you don't do that, but still, the defense didn't play glaringly bad football like they have recently. I would agree. There were critical downs where they needed stops and couldn't get it done. It kept some drives alive. It wasn't enough for me to say, yes, they found their rhythm. They're clearly still scattered about, and everyone's just kind of putting in like an extra effort but the real the cohesiveness of the of the defense and like the overall performance you just don't ever sit back and think yeah we're solid like we're good rough game to say that they held in the 17 and you know they had a decent defensive performance rudy four had a pick really smart play on his part he's a smart player Razul Douglas is a smart player. I know he did that craziness last year in the Lions game. I think it's starting to piss him off. Did you see it? I don't oh, yeah. remember what play it was. Oh, yeah. He started going off on the sideline. Like, he was yelling at the sideline. I'd love to know what he was saying on that play. He was, he was chewing out Nixon on the field. For that maybe, really bad Maybe angle. someone needs, like, if, uh, if he wants to step up, Assume. someone needs to shake this fucking defense up. He played well. That Razul Douglas. He did. Both of them went. Rudy Ford, I think, back in when we were talking about him in training camp and shit, we were kind of like on the fence about him. But like he, he's definitely proven himself, I think. He is a solid contributor. Thank he you. Really... That's the word I would use, too. He's not going to make a bunch of bad mistakes. No, he's sometimes got couple, that's all it takes. Picks. Preston Smith came around, finally. It was kind of like play after play. You just see these like really nice plays by him. And it's like, Yes. And then it's like, are you going to be good for the next game? You just don't know. Or was this it? Is this going to carry on? to the? You know that it's not going to be from here on out. No. That he finally found his whatever. That's going to be the performance he's going to have consistently throughout the end of the year. We already know that's not going to be it. He'll probably disappear now. Maybe he's in the same cave that Aaron Rodgers was in or something. Go hang out there for a while and then come back in a few weeks. He had a great game. Really did. Let's get on to the bad. I mean, maybe the bad ugly will just kind of go into one thing. I mean, we talked about this before. Isaiah McDuffie and Eric Wilson, those are your starting linebackers right now. If Walker and Campbell are out, they're not good. Let's just leave it at that. Keep beating up that dead horse. Can't compete at this level. Can't say next man up when the next man up just sucks. Agreed. Rashawn Gary, I thought was going to blow up the Raiders offensive line. He had a decent game. You know, they had him on a snap count and he didn't play, you know, more than what, 25% of the snaps. I think that kept him fresh. And that was a reason, part of the reason he was doing so well. You know, you got to work yourself back into shape. I kind of disagree with that. I think he's he's one of probably one of the most physically conditioned athletes on that on the Packers roster. And dude, come on. We said last week it was about a quarter. They bumped him up to half right? Uh, for this game. I got to think he's got to get to three quarters. You chip away with Van Ness for experience points, and that's it. Because Van Ness is he, he's just a body out there right now. He, he hasn't really found any type of – after this game, I feel like he's starting to move down the curve as far as development is. And I think if they take a little bit of, of snaps away from him – and they added to Gary. Why wouldn't you have your best def- defensive player on the field more so than than not? I mean, he's. I get the injury. They're trying to nurse it still. It's a tough call, but like at this point, 
I really feel like he needs to be out there more. Lucas Van Ness has not had a pressure since week one against the Bears. And you said it last week. He he was pretty much a ghost in this game, too. Yeah. To notice he's out there because you can't you look at it and you're like, okay, maybe this is the play, right? Right. right. Fuck no, this ain't the play. It's the play that he's gonna run himself right out of the play. Let's hope that yeah. Van Ness is better because we already talked about this a little bit, but Preston Smith and coverage, I know that at times your defensive call is going to be the wrong one for the offense. You think they're going to do X on offense and they don't. And you end up with Preston fucking Smith on Devonte Adams and coverage that immediately should be something, something that they call out of. Now I, I know like there's, it's happening fast. But Jesus Christ, or you got to throw or Rudy Ford has to come down in the I don't know. Something has to happen because you can't have Preston fucking Smith on Devonte Adams ever or anyone for that matter. No, he should never be out there ever. Like, what is that? <laughs> uh, like I said, I, I, this is these are the notes that I wrote. So I will I will read them verbatim to to like nail this point down. It says, note to Barry, Lafleur said, we cannot keep doing the same things and expect a different result, right? He said that in the press conference after the last game, right? That was basically like a a message to Barry. But what he didn't say, Joe, was go to the fucking trash can and dig out some old defensive schemes that don't work, in particular, (laughs) dropping Smith into coverage and bring all that back. He didn't say that. It was like, oh, I guess I should bring back some old shit. Like, let's drop Preston Smith back into coverage. We were yelling about that like two fucking years ago. What is he doing out there? The man is six foot five, like 280 pounds. And you've got him on a fucking, you know, slot receiver. You got him on one of the top guys in the game. Yeah. Devontae Adams. I mean, absurd. Take a timeout. Take a timeout. That can't happen anymore. Preston Smith is not a coverage defensive end. It never worked when you tried to introduce it. You kept doing it throughout that entire fucking season. And then it disappeared. And now all of a sudden it's reemerged somehow. How or why? It has never fucking worked, Barry. Never. And which one of the outside linebackers do you think that would work for? The answer is none. Absolutely zero. And Igbare Van Ness? No, none. Fucking Preston Smith. It's not working for any of them. That should never be something in your playbook. That entire, however many schemes there are in the defensive playbook that have Garrett, I'm sorry, Preston Smith in, in coverage, rip all that shit out. Fucking burn it. Even a person who's, I don't know, football IQ is like beginner would probably pick that out and say, why is Preston Smith covering Devontae Adams? Why is Preston Smith covering any receiver for that matter? Put Kenny Clark in, in coverage. Put him at safety. Right. Let's just like fuck everything all up. We're going to fool everybody with that. Yeah. Man. The special teams, first of all, knock on wood or some wood. Anders Carlson has not missed a kick in the regular season. And his brother missed two. The camera kept going to his parents and shit. I was like, fuck. Nyman blocked the one, got his yep. fingertips on it. And then that 52-yarder would have been good from probably 58. You know I love Rich Passaccia. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Rich Passaccia. I am too. But at some point, we need magic from that motherfucker. 
you know, okay, they blocked the kick. I guess that could be part of it, right? I mean, that, maybe that's a start. I mean, the fact that Yash Nyman was out there, if that was Versace is doing, great. Do it again. Yeah, but don't be putting Quay Walker out there. No, let's keep him on the sideline. Let's not put Quay Walker out there because we, we know what's going to happen. He's going to go overboard. Right. They didn't kick the ball to Nixon. I mean, nope. they, they kicked it as far as they could. They kicked it out of the end zone every time. They kept it away from Nixon. Smart. Why the Packers don't do that? That one pooch kick that they did, that one kickoff, I'm like, why are we fucking doing that? And, of course, the Raiders ended up getting the ball at like the 30 or 31 it, yard. It was. It, it was about the 30. Bomb that fucker through the end zone. I know. I mean, every – yeah, it, it drives me – that drives me crazy. You don't get a return for a touchdown, which the Packers have given up a lot of return touchdowns in the last couple of years. And you don't get a penalty, which is what we're going to do on almost every fucking play. Kick it out of the end zone and be done with it. Unless there is like a strategic advantage that they are looking at from above, like from the press box. And they're looking down and saying, if we do this, we might have an opening that we could explore. So what we're going to need is Keyshawn to field it, you know, with a maximum of you know, three yards deep or something. It's the opposite. If he gets the ball, I think he should return it. Like, I know you guys said it last week, but if, if, if the Packers have a, a weapon in a return guy and Keyshawn Nixon, and he gets to the 21 and gives it a shot rather than gets to the 25 with no shot, I'd rather him take that shot every time. I agree with like taking shots, but not every fucking kick. Okay. I don't think it can be every kick. I think you have to take in consideration where you're at in the game, what the score is, the whole like how are we gonna how are we gonna get through the fourth quarter? Are we really gonna be taking risks right now? But when we're up by a touchdown or two, that's different. Maybe not. I, I think those calls are made, you know, down on the field. It just seems like Keyshawn Nixon is is green lighted for anything and everything he wants to do, which. I don't really agree with. All right. So I think we should just wrap it up there. We can preview the fucking Broncos next week since we don't have a, a game to. Yeah. Re- fuck Sean Payton. Yeah. Fuck Sean Payton. That was great though. Right. Zach Wilson, the Denver Broncos. You know, AR is going to be watching this game. He would love nothing more than to see Jordan Love beat the fucking pants off the fucking Broncos. Not even beat the pants off them. Just to beat the Broncos. Right. No. Beat Sean Payton. Yeah, he doesn't care about the Broncos. They're irrelevant. Jordan Love beats Sean Payton. AR is going to be, his Achilles is going to magically heal. All right, so let's wrap it up here. Uh, In episode 136 of the Average Cheese Podcast, the Roy Butler episode. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.